Hello, hello, welcome to Griff Talks Football. Yes, I know it's not an original name, but it's my show anyway. Or a creative name, but then again, my show anyway. And uh, today is going to be an episode about reviewing these past week's games, as well as previewing the upcoming um, games for this weekend. And then last, but definitely not least, I'm introducing something that's going along with this uh, season thus far and it's uh, what I would call one take in which I talk about one particular situation in one particular game for a couple minutes just explaining in more detail whether I support or go against the decision that a coach may have made that a QB or a wide receiver had made or any other uh, position but definitely a player slash coach um, that has made a decision to either support or go against um, in a particular situation. And I will explain that in more detail after I uh, preview week nine games. But let's first review week eight games. Yes. So, Redskins versus Vikings. I still have questions about the Vikings. Like, the score should have not been 19 to 9. It's and it was a nationally te- televised game. It should have been 30, maybe 40 to like zero. Vikings are so much more talented than the Redskins, of course. Um, but somehow they're still in it. Not only the Vikings made a couple turnovers by themselves offensively, um, but I mean they made they also made or at least allowed some big runs, some big passes. But at least didn't allow touchdown, only allowed field goals in the situation. The Redskins also benched Case Keenum for Dwayne Haskins, but he didn't do any better. He threw an interception, went three out of five for 33 yards. Matter of fact, they ran the ball more when Dwayne Haskins was in. Uh, Case Keenum was 12 out of 16 for a buck 30. No touchdowns, no picks either, but did fumble the ball. Um, also. Kirk Cousins nearly threw uh, 300 yards, um, but no touchdowns, no picks either. So, but again, the score was 19 to nine. I just it shouldn't have been that close to begin with. Um, Dalvin Cook ended up getting a rushing touchdown and almost 100 yards rushing. So, of course, he had a good game, but but still, it shouldn't have been that close. Seahawks versus Falcons. Uh, second half comeback, too little, too late. For the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan was out for this game, of course. And Matt Schaub, who hasn't started a game in nearly 600 days total, um, threw for 460 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Um, which, again, impressive. But a lot of those passing yards came in in the second half where the Falcons were, were down 24 nothing, entering the second half. And so they just tried it. They try to come back. And that's been the theme of the Falcons thus far this season. They're 1-7 now where they have an atrocious defense. And they start off slow. And they have to go pass heavy. And then make the game as competitive as possible in the second half. They either come back, take the lead, only to then um, blow the lead. Or they try to tie the game and it's a missed extra point. Or they try to tie the game but then turn over the ball. Or uh, they try to get the ball back but couldn't make a defensive stop. 
whatever the case may be, that's that's been the theme. Also, I I was surprised that the Seahawks only scored a field goal in the second half. Like they were doing so well offensively. Wilson was making great throws. Of course, scrambled too, made some rushing yards. They were able to pound the ball against the Seahawks. I'm not not against the Seahawks, against the Falcons front seven, against that defense. But it's just like I was like I was expecting the Seahawks to just dominate. And they did in the first half, but in the second half, that that definitely uh, was not was not the case whatsoever. Uh, Chargers versus Bears. Mitch, uh, Mitchell Trubisky's performance is bad. It's still bad, right? I just, he had an okay game, but at the same time, he's been in this system under Matt Nagy again in his second year, third year in the league. Still making some of the same mistakes, reading the defense. Some some of the play calls were the same play that were called earlier in the drive, and yet Mitchell Trubisky made an excellent throw there, but then doesn't make an excellent throw here on particular plays. It's just inconsistency, inconsistency all around. The Bears have weapons. I believe they do have a deep receiving core. Allen Robinson is probably one of the best underrated receivers in the league. They have running backs. They have Tariq Cohen. So they have weapons. They have a good offensive line. But it's so difficult when you have a QB that doesn't play well or doesn't play the expectation that you have of that said quarterback and doesn't make or help execute the offensive plays that you are calling where you're expecting it to work in this situation and yet your QB fails you. I also blame some of the coaching staff on this for some of the play calls. Now they ran the ball more for this week and gets the Chargers um, but evidently it did nothing to slow down the pass rush that again Mitchell Trubisky was experiencing uh, because the Chargers despite having a struggling season thus far, do both one of the best pass rushing duos in the league with Ingram and Joey Bosa. It's just, it's very frustrating. And I'm not a fan of the Bears. It's just very frustrating to see how they had a successful season last year despite the ineptitude or despite okay Performances by Mitchell Trubisky, and yet uh, he has not, by any means, improved. So, again, as I mentioned this last week, and I think the week before in my previous episodes, if Mitchell Trubisky continues to perform like this, he is not going to be a starting Bears quarterback by next year. They may say they may sign Teddy Bridgewater. They may draft another QB. I don't think the team itself is going to be in the top 10 for draft picks. I think they're going to be in the middle of the pack if they're going to have a bad season, which they are thus far. But if it continues, that's where I see them. Um, but shit, man, this is, it's it's bad. It's bad to be, it's not good to be a Bears fan right now. But as for the Chargers, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot this time. They, uh, well, they almost did. They, they took the lead, 17-16, and then 
Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears offense marched down the field to about the 24-yard line, which would set up a 41-yard field goal, and the 41-yard field goal was was missed. Um, and so the Chargers, they won by the skin of their teeth. Giants versus Lions. Uh, Lions temporarily are back in playoff contention. Right now, the record's three and three and one. The Giants are two and six. But um, competitive game, nevertheless, uh, and the score ended up being thirty-one and twenty-six. However, um, this game is definitely a must-win situation for Lions. Much like this game coming up this weekend in which the Lions play against the Raiders. Lions need to win these games to stay in playoff contention. I'm not saying they're easy games. I don't think any... Like, granted, I've I've said in in this show a couple times, just, like, skip this game when I'm previewing because some teams are just atrocious. Now, the Raiders and then the Giants are middle of the pack and somewhat bad teams. But again, like, the Lions need to win these games in order to stay competitive in a playoff race. Um, and also to at least have an opportunity to beat really good teams. And it, it's all dependent on Matthew Stafford. It really is. He has not won the NFC North in his 11-year career there. He's trying to keep his job, trying to form a really good relationship with Matt Patricia, who is the defensive play caller of that unit. For the Lions. Um, I can say though that Matthew Stafford made some sharp, terrific throws. They called another flea flicker like they did the previous week. uh, Or two weeks I think. Because they called a flea flicker in a different formation against the Packers. And that was successful. Matter of fact, that was the first play of the game. And this one was in the fourth quarter. Where they extended the lead. It turned into a touchdown. Sharp throws. Like Stafford can make these sharp throws. He needs to stay consistent. So that's all I have to say about that. Giants again are 2-6. and six. Surprisingly still in the playoff contention. Just because of how bad the NFC East is. But um, if they don't improve by the end of the year. Pat Shermer will definitely get fired. Because you're wasting Shaquan Barkley's talent. You're wasting, or at least the system that, or the plays that you're calling, it's becoming a waste because you're not you're not making that offense flow through Shaquan. You're making that offense flow through Daniel Jones, and he's not up to par. Or he's not where he needs to be in order to carry the offense. You need Shaquan to carry that offense, and obviously, he had 23 touches, but a lot of it was based on catching the passes, which that's that's good, but. Running backs in general are more dominant when it comes to just running the ball um, in order to set up the play action and stuff like that. Um, but again, running backs would be more successful in passing situations if they have a really great quarterback. Right now, Daniel Jones is still learning and they really need to run the ball with Shaquan. All right, uh, Jets versus Jags. Uh, Gaze made no difference. Just offense is still terrible as usual. Uh, Jags move on uh, four and four. Gardner Shoe had a good performance, nearly through three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Leonard Fournette had over hundred yards rushing, I believe. 
So again, good performance by the Jaguars, but let's see if they keep it up against Houston this week. Uh, Bengals versus Rams. Not what I expected from the Rams offense. Now the Rams won. Oh, by the way, um, the Jags won 29-15. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to that Bengals-Rams game, it's not what I expected from the Rams offense. I expected them to, to have run the ball with Gurley, control the clock, of course, score, score points, but run the ball. But I think throughout the theme for the rest of the season, and if they do make the playoffs this year, it's going to be pass-heavy with a lot of one-back personnel because they have one of the deepest wide-receiving cores in the league with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, who's currently hurt. I think he's dealing with a concussion or at least in concussion protocol. Then you have tight ends, Tyler Higby and um, Gerald Everett. And of course, if catching passes out of the backfield, Todd Gurley and other running backs behind Todd Gurley, their offensive line performance, at least in pass protection and run blocking is getting better. Um, but again, I was I was expecting runs, a lot of runs, and that wasn't the case. It was, it was pass heavy. Uh, for the Rams, and that'll probably be the theme of their offense for the rest of the season. Uh, Bengals are 0 and 9, I believe. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 0 and 8 right now. Still terrible. And for this week, uh, they decided to bench Andy Dalton for a backup QB and see how that goes. Um, but it it's just so much inconsistent play from the Bengals, and it, it, it they're a terrible team. They really are. All right, uh, Bucks versus Giants. Jameis' mistakes leads to Titans' victory. Jameis, he threw, I believe, two interceptions and fumbled the ball a couple times. He got sacked several times. Um, I really think that he won't be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer by the end of the year. Uh, Bruce Arians is by far one of the best quarterback coaches in the history of the NFL. I do think he's still a great head coach. But uh, they're two and five right now, and Jameis is inconsistent. It's a waste. Much like with the Giants' offense under Pat Shermer, it's a waste of talent for the players that they have with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Ronald Jones, who's a running back. OJ Howard's a tight end. They have plenty of weapons. And I would say they actually have a good O-line. But Jesus, Jameis, is, he's bad. He's bad. He's bad. So depending where they are in the draft, if it goes like that for the rest of the year, they'll draft a QB. They'll just cut Jameis to the curb. I think anyone that's going to hire Jameis is probably going to be a backup for, for him to be a backup QB, not a starter. He's, he's terrible. Much like the Matt Nagy, Mitchell Trubisky situation, Bruce Arians is doing all that he can to at least get every every ounce of anything good out of Jameis Winston, and it's just it's just not happening. As for the Titans, they're on a game on a two-game winning streak with Ryan Tannehill starting both games. Within two games, he's played. He's thrown five touchdowns, one interception, and over 500 yards passing. Uh, or at least around there, which it's 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 good play. He's taking care of the ball, um, but uh, the competition does increase 
uh, for this weekend. And we'll see if the Titans stay consistent there. All right, Eagles versus Bills. The run game dominates the Bills uh, with Carson Wentz running the ball, with Jordan Howard running the ball, and Sanders. So they have several players who are just running the ball down the Bills' defense. Um, which, the, again, coming into the game, the Bills were ranked second in defending the run. So I was not expecting the Eagles, who are middle of the pack or at least below average running the ball, to be able to just run it down the Bills' throats, and yet they did. I think they gained over 180 yards rushing. They ran and controlled most of the clock while also scoring a bunch of points. Uh, Eagles' defense, despite being 32nd in passing yards allowed, um, didn't really allow big plays with Josh Allen, who's got one of the strongest arms in the league, but yet is inaccurate. And they were able to, get, they were able to hit and sack Josh Allen a couple times. Um, so... Embarrassing performance for the Bills playing at home, but they're 5-2 right now. They still have plenty of time throughout the rest of the season to uh, do the best they can and obtain a playoff spot. Um, Eagles are still fighting to win the uh, NFC East. Um, But congrats to the Eagles on winning that game. That's basically what it was, was the Eagles were just able to run the ball with no problem. Uh, Broncos versus Colts. No confidence in Broncos' offense. Joe Flacco this past week, who, by the way, is also out for this week, um, had question of play calling on a third and five and then a fourth down situation, both by the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Uh, Vic Vangio wanted to just run the ball and then let their let the defense for the Broncos win the game for him, which I would agree in that situation. Um, however, had they gone for it on fourth down and had they got the first down, the game would have been over. But if they didn't get the first down, then all the Colts need to do is gain 15 yards and Adam Vinatieri's field goal range. But instead, again, Broncos punted the ball. Colts were at their own six-yard line, I think. And then jo- Jacoby Brissett avoided a sack, found T.Y. Hilton for like 40 yards, and then... Off of two penalties were against the Broncos, were able to get in field goal range and then won the game 15 to 13. So uh, it's just it was a great defensive performance, is what I ex- expected. It was a great defensive performance by the Broncos, but just the Colts were able to at least do just enough to be able to win that game. So I, I imagine it's gonna be another long season for the Broncos. All right, uh, Cardinals versus Saints. Uh, Breeze. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, Cardinals versus Saints. Breeze has come back to be the Saints starter. Uh, I was not expecting Drew Breeze to start this week, um, but he did. And now the Saints are on a bye week. Um, but Drew Breeze, as usual, over 375 yards passing. Three touchdowns, one pick though, but near 70% completion percentage. Really impressive stats against a porous defense. It's a way to get your confidence up. Uh, but yeah, the Saints were just dominating 31 9. Just wow. Just uh, complete domination. Panthers versus 49ers. 
Also, total domination by the 49ers. I expected it to be a defensive battle, especially between how the 49ers defense would handle Christian McCaffrey. Now, Christian McCaffrey had a rushing touchdown, but he didn't have over 100 yards rushing. Uh, that's for sure. And the 49ers defense was were able to just force several turnovers and, and a bunch of punts. And the 49ers offense completely dominated against a really good Panthers defense. Which is saying something. Like, the 49ers offense, I think, is ranked first in rushing yards. So they're running the ball pretty well. Uh, I think they're in top 10 for overall yardage. But not top 10 in points. And not top 10 in um, passing yards. So again, I expect it to be a defensive battle slash run game battle, but that wasn't the case because, gosh, Kyle Shanahan got all the players that were able to catch the ball wide open. The running game was working to perfection. Tevin Coleman had a big game, both receiving touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, and had over 130 yards rushing-wise. Just great, great game for the 49ers to be able to just dominate the Panthers. But yeah, the score ended up being, I believe... Um, 54 to 13 or 51 to 13, but complete domination. All right, uh, Raiders versus Texans a win and a loss for Texans. So, as I also expected, it was a quarterback, um, not so much shootout, but rather just who plays better, uh, between Carr and Watson and Watson. Ended up throwing the game-winning touchdown pass to uh, Darren Fells, which, of course, game-winning touchdown pass took the lead. And then the, the Texans defense were able to force a three and out against Derek Carr and the Raiders offense. And the Texans were just able to run the run the clock out. Ended up winning the game. Um, also, Watson made the, like this huge, amazing play when he threw the game-winning touchdown pass. He... he Avoided a sack, got out of it, was kicked in the face in the process, had one eye open, and just threw amazing touch pass to Darren Phelps. Amazing, amazing play. So again, Houston won this game, but a loss is that J.J. Watt has a torn pectoral um, in his left arm and is out for the season. And that pass rush by Houston has been dwindling as of late. They have not been able to get any sacks or any pressures on the QB. So without J.J. Watt, it's going to be even more difficult for Houston defensively to be able to get after the QB. Um, I mean, this week they'll be flying in London to play against the Jaguars. Um, and then after that game, they at least have a bye week. So if they at least play well offensively or at least be able to force some turnovers... They'll be all right, and again with the bye week, they will they'll be able to rest and at least hopefully get some, if not all, of their secondary starters back. Because um, that that's really that's really needed. Because in in this league, or at least throughout football, if you can't have a pass rush, I mean, it's very difficult to defend against a pass. And if you don't have a good secondary, then no matter what you call defensively, a blitz, zone blitz, man coverage. Zone coverage, it's going to be very difficult to even make stops against an offense that can just either run the ball, uh, not so much run the ball, but just pass the ball with no problem. 
Um, so that is a loss for Houston. But nevertheless, um, great win for the Texans. Um, Browns versus Patriots. Uh, turnovers and penalties led to the Bra- to the Pat- Patriots victory. I did a long episode over this. Well, long as in like 17 minutes uh, a couple days ago. Uh, just specifically over the Browns and the turnovers and penalties and how it allowed the Patriots to win and other details amongst that. The Browns also were the first team to get 300 yards and get the Patriots defense for this season, which was impressive. Um, but yeah, they turned over the ball three straight possessions on, on each first play of each possession, which was terrible. Um, and the Patriots they able to score touchdowns off of those turnovers. Not all of them, only two of those three turnovers they were able to score touchdowns on. Um, but when you give the Patriots that much room, or if you commit mistakes against the Patriots, they will take advantage and end up winning the game, uh, 27 to 13. But if you want to hear more of those details, uh, definitely click on the episode Browns versus Patriots. Uh, I consider that to be a very fun episode, at least for me. Packers versus Chiefs. Jones yaks away with the win. Yaks as in yards after catch. Um, and or yards after catches. You know, but usually it's it's yak yards after catch. Um, now Jones had 13 carries for 67 yards. No rushing touchdowns, but he had six receptions for 151 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Um, now the Packers ended up winning 31 to 24. Great game. Now, a lot of people are saying, at least through sports media, journalists are saying that the Packers defense has become struggling, or at least has now has weaknesses and that they're not actually good, which, okay, run defense, they're, they're bad. Pass rush, they're great. Pass defense, I would argue they're pretty good. However, you know, a lot of people expected a just complete total domination by the Packers because they're playing against Matt Moore, the backup QB for the Chiefs. But mind you, the Chiefs have Andy Reid, one of the best, if not the best quarterback coaches in the NFL throughout football. Now, Andy Reid is also the head coach, but he's also the offensive play caller. And he has designed plays to keep defenses off balance and have players wide open, whether it's a wide open running lane for a running back, whether it's a wide open route for a receiver to catch the ball and be able to score or at least get a big play. So I, with any QB that Andy Reid has on a roster, that is going to be the best version of a quarterback you'll see under Andy Reid. So I didn't expect to be total domination because it was Andy Reid against the Packers offense which it was, just so happens that the Packers have Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of more weapons compared to the Chiefs to be able to take advantage or be able to take the lead and keep the lead, which is what they did. And last, but definitely least, uh, Dolphins versus Steelers. Um, It took till the second half for Mason Rudolph to get in a rhythm. He made some mistakes. Missed time throws, just inaccuracy. And a lot of people were wanting Hodges at that point to start, but Hodges is definitely not better than Mason Rudolph. 
Hodges has been relying on James Conner in the running game to be able to at least look successful. But no, they're 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 going to stick with Mason Rudolph because in the second half he threw this amazing tight spiral touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster and another touchdown pass, and they were able to succeed offensively um, against the Dolphins, um, twenty-seven to fourteen. Of course, that was the end of the scoreboard, um, but it just took a while for the Steelers' offense to get in rhythm. Um, so, congrats to the Steelers on winning that. They're they're three and four on the year. Um, yeah, three and four. And they'll, um, if they continue to do well offensively and play well defensively, they'll be right back in playoff contention only for the AFC North. I don't think they'll be able to get a fifth or sixth seed in the, in the, in the playoffs by the time that rolls around. So they'll, they'll need to win the AFC North to even make the playoffs. But that is about it in terms of reviewing games. And I know there was it was a lot, of course, but it's it's time to move on to previewing week nine. 49ers versus Cardinals. Another dominating performance by the Niners. Look, if they just dominated against the Panthers, I can't imagine what the scoreboard will be against the poorest defense. Uh, Cardinals definitely do not, or at least are in the bottom of the league in pass protection. They allow a bunch of sacks. That defense is hungry to get more sacks, forcing turnovers. Kyler Murray is going to be running for his life. He doesn't have as many weapons as Jimmy Garoppolo has. And now Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely not as mobile as Kyler Murray. But again, Jimmy Garoppolo's got a vast amount of weapons with George Kittle. Emmanuel Sanders now, Tevin Coleman, Matt Barreta, Marquise Goodwin, even though he, he's, he hasn't been consistent, but he's one of the fastest receivers in the league, and, and amongst other various targets that he can throw to. Uh, Kyle Murray does not have any of that other than Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. And Christian Kirk, but that's, that's it. And so I expect this to be total domination. Texans versus Jags. Um, any pass rush from Houston? That will be the theme of this game is can they get to the QB? Their secondary again is not healthy. I imagine that not all of their starting corners or at least one of their safeties will be back by this game. Um, and because of the loss of J.J. Watt, they really need Whitney Merciless or Jacob Martin. Or other pass rushers on that team that get to Gardner Mishu. Because granted, Gardner's been getting better. Now, I don't imagine the Jaguars be able to run the ball against Houston. They're ranked second in rushing yards allowed. And even though the Jags are a successful running team, they're going to try and attack vertically down the field against the secondary. So that pass rush needs to happen. Otherwise, it's going to be relying on Watson and the Texans' offense to be able to score a bunch of points. But that Jags pass rush is going to be tough to guard against and avoid, uh, or at least be able to be mobile against them because they have excellent linebackers, fast linebackers as well, that can spy. 
um, or at least be able to get after Watson too. And it's going to be very difficult. But if anything, I imagine Texans will just go back to their bread and butter, which is a lot of quick passes to intermediate routes to be able to set up uh, deeper routes. Um, that is what I imagine what will happen. So that is the theme for that game. Uh, Bears versus Eagles. Uh, Trubisky versus Eagles secondary. Look, this if, it, if he's going to turn around the fan base... Of, or at least perception of him or what the coaches think of him. This is definitely an opportunity for Mitchell Trubisky to do well against the Eagles secondary. He's got more experience than Josh Allen, or at least a, 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 a year ahead of him. He's got weapons to throw to. He's got good pass protection. It's just a matter of how well he performs. This is an opportunity for him to beat the Eagles. If he doesn't take advantage of it, it just goes to show you that they're, they are going to cut him at the end of the year. They're going to do that. Vikings versus Chiefs. Andy Reid versus Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is the defensive player caller for the Vikings. Andy Reid is the offensive player caller for the Chiefs. The Chiefs have various weapons offensively. The Vikings have a really great defensive unit. The Vikings offensively also have great weapons. The Chiefs, although their defense is 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 terrible in most of uh, most of the categories that are specifically for defensive units, they're definitely top five in getting after quarterback, and I think top ten for allowing third down conversions. So there are some spots to be proud of for the defense. But their run defense is 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 terrible, and because the Vikings run the ball a lot, that's probably what they're going to do. So again, but the main matchup is going to be how Andy Reid um, enables Matt Moore, helps Matt Moore out to the best of his ability to find wide open targets and be able to succeed against Mike Zimmer's defensive unit. Uh, Colts versus Steelers, uh, a good offensive performance by the Steelers. Uh, Colts, they're okay defensively. Uh, it's just a matter of can Mason Rudolph get in rhythm and be able to succeed against the Colts defense. Um, James Conner may be out for several weeks. I'm not sure about his injury status just yet. But this is this is definitely a game where we can see whether the Steelers are actually back in playoff contention or not. So this is a game we'll we'll have to we'll have to find out. Jets versus Dolphins. It could be the Dolphins' first win. I I got nothing for you here in terms of what to look for. Both teams are just atrocious. But I imagine it's going to be a QB matchup. If there is something to look for, it's going to be Sam Donald versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who performs ba- better, basically, and gets the win. Redskins versus Bills. This should be a Bills rebound game. This is what it should be. Redskins, atrocious defense, atrocious offense. Look, if anything, the Bills can just run the ball, take care of the ball, score some points, and rely on their defense. If they don't trust Josh Allen or if they want to take care of the ball as much as possible. That's, and that's all I got for you there is it, this should be a rebound game. If they lose at home against the Redskins, 
There's going to be a lot of questions in the air about that coaching staff and about if they're actually playoff contenders or not. Titans versus Panthers. Uh, will the Titans' offense continuously improve under Ryan Tannehill? Now, this time, Tannehill is actually going against a pretty good defensive unit. Um, and, of course, is facing the Panthers that have a really good running back in Christian McCaffrey. So, I imagine that at some point in the game, the Titans are going to be behind, and it's going to be up to Ryan Tannehill's arm to be able to catch up and potentially take the lead in the game. So, again, something to look forward to is, will will the offense continuously improve under Ryan Tannehill, or is it going to be squashed and be demolished by an amazing Panthers defense that's looking to rebound against a poorest performance um, when they played against the 49ers. All right. Um, Lions versus Raiders. Another, again, as I pointed this out earlier, this is another game that Massey Stafford needs to win. Now, it's not just Massey Stafford. It's going to be a team effort. But, again, fans have high expectations. The coaches have expectations for Matthew Stafford to meet because he's got a huge contract that's over $130 million, and I believe he's in his second year or third year into that contract. All right, He had an amazing 2016 season where he literally carried the team on his back to have eight fourth-quarter comebacks or game-winning drives, and Lions ended up making the playoffs that year but then lost to the Seahawks in 2016. So really... This is a must-win situation again for not only the Lions organization, the Lions coaches, but definitely for Matthew Stafford. Buccaneers versus Seahawks. There's no chance for Jameis to succeed. I, I, look, I know the Seahawks allowed 20 unanswered points in the second half when they played against the Falcons. And that Matt Schaub was able to successfully pass against the secondary and I understand that the Buccaneers have targets to throw to. But the Seahawks are back at home. They're facing the poorest, a, a, a bad Buccaneers defense. And Jameis Winston has turned over the ball constantly. There hasn't been a game at all in his career, I don't think, where he hasn't turned over the ball. So this is, again, a must-win situation. Uh, or at least... Not only, I wouldn't say just must win for the Seahawks, but again, this is a chance for them to make a statement and dominate against the Buccaneers offense, especially against Jameis Winston. Packers versus Chargers. Um, A change for the better for firing an offensive coordinator. Uh, The Chargers, under Anthony Lynn as the head coach, fired Ken Wisenhut this past week, this past Monday, I believe. Um, and uh, they handed the reins to the quarterback coach. And so they expect a better offensive performance, especially in the red zone. However, that, t- that typically isn't the case. Just because you fire an offensive coordinator doesn't mean everything is fixed. Some cases it may be. Uh, but no, it, 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 it's the same offensive players they're dealing with. It's the same O-line. It's the same QB. But and the question comes to mind, will it be a better offensive performance? Do you have an opportunity to run the ball well against the Packers defense? Um, 
As for uh, the pass rush of the Chargers, it's going to be very difficult to get to Aaron Rodgers because they also run, they've been also running the ball pretty well. They've also been throwing it pretty quickly to running backs, to receivers, to tight ends, um, and of course, facing Aaron Rodgers. So, but again, that's the theme: is will they perform better under their new offensive coordinator with? Anthony Lynn, the head coach, being more involved with the offense. Browns versus Broncos. It's going to be a defensive game. It's going to be similar to Broncos versus Colts. It's going to be Broncos versus Browns, where it's going to be battle of the run games and defense. Uh, they have Drew Locke starting this week. I have no, uh, I have, I know nothing about this guy other than being the backup to Broncos quarterback Joe Flacco. All right. Um, they have still have bad offense. They're still a bad offensive unit, except for running a ball. And they have Cortland Sutton to throw to, Noah Fant to throw, Noah Fant the tight end, the rookie tight end to throw to. But they're going against an amazing Browns pass rush and secondary. So their Browns are good defensively. The question is, can they take care of the ball? Not committing as many penalties, especially penalties in situational uh, events that occur, such as in the fourth quarter, which you don't need, you don't want to commit penalties in the fourth quarter. Um, and again, taking care of the ball and seeing if Baker Mayfield does not throw a pick against a really good Broncos secondary. So that's something to look into. Uh, Patriots versus Ravens, Lamar versus Pat's defense. This is going to be the first time where the Patriots actually play against a really good QB. Although may not have the best arm or accuracy in the NFL, definitely is one of the most athletic QBs. And definitely the Patriots did struggle defending a run against the Browns. But again, Baker is not as mobile and does not play in a system of a lot of zone reads like the Baltimore Ravens do. Baltimore Ravens have wonderful, amazing running backs and an amazing O-line. So it comes down to how does the Patriots defense handle against um, Lamar Jackson. Cowboys versus Giants. This is a statement game for Pat Shermer and Shaquan Barkley. Look, you're playing at home against the Cowboys. There's been teams at 2-6 and six before, like the Packers back in 2016, where again, they were 2-6, and six. But they went on a eight-game winning streak to not only win the division, but they won two playoff games to make it to the NFC Championship game, only to lose to the 2016 Falcons, in which they went on to blow a 25-point lead against the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51. But you have Shaquan Barkley. You have an opportunity to just run the ball against the Cowboys because their secondary and pass rush is actually pretty good. You don't want Daniel Jones to go against that. You want to minimize that as much as possible. So we'll have to see how this game goes. But that is it in terms of previewing games. Um, Now, before I end this episode, just something that I'm now introducing is uh, the thing I call one take, where I just talk about one specific situation and one specific game. And this is where I will release this episode Friday. And what I'm going to be talking about is defending Matt Nagy's decision of kicking a 41-yard field goal when he had one timeout and 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter. At 
the 24-yard line to be able to get closer to potentially just kicking a 20-yard field goal or something like that. But I will be defending his decision, and I'll explain reasons why I'll be defending his decision on Friday. But thank you so much for taking the time, either in the morning, afternoon, or at night, listening to this episode. Thank you so much again, and I'll release that episode on Friday, and as well as what I've been consistently doing, releasing episodes on Wednesday. So thank you so much again, and have a kick-ass day.